morning. Sun's out. Wasn't it good yesterday when that sun came out? My goodness. I don't know about y'all, but I was getting kind of ready to get out of this place. I, I told Vicky, I can hop on a plane and head to Florida in a couple of hours. Get to feeling like that, don't you? Well, back into, we're going to be today's sermon called The Bubble. Back in Exodus, uh, go and be. And uh, have you ever had you know, an idea in your mind uh, and you thought that, uh, that God surely had that same idea? That maybe God is, is sending you or sending you on a mission or some kind of whatever, your journey or your walk with God, whatever it is. And you're, and you're thinking, well, God put me here. And I've got this idea and these plans in my mind. And I'm just positive they line up with God. And then when you get out there and you start doing things, you're, you're finding out, uh-oh, <laughs> this isn't at all what I thought it was going to be. And, and we get kind of confused over it, and, and uh, we can get in, 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 in trouble in ourselves and our own spirit with that uh, because you, you just thought for sure you had it figured out. You, you, I mean, you thought you had it figured out. Well, Moses, uh, we're talking about Moses, he's coming back to Egypt, and after 400 years of slavery, he's going to do what God told him to do, and uh, he's going to walk up to Pharaoh, which is uh, just, 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 the, just the fact of being able to go in front of Pharaoh, as, as Moses is, is nobody now, uh, he's just uh, nothing. Uh, so even be able to go in front of Pharaoh at, with, with Aaron, which is a slave, is a remarkable thing, to be able to go in, and face Pharaoh. So that, that right there is a, is a God thing in itself. And uh, so Moses is going to go, and he's going to go to Pharaoh, and he's going to go up there and, with what God told him to do, and he's going to get his bubble popped. And that's what happens to a lot of us. We, we think we've got it all figured out. And I'm going to tell you, if, if that's where you're at, you think you just got it all figured out and all your plans, then when something goes wrong, God's going to, he's testing you. He's simply just testing you. He's wanting you to, to learn that, that mo what Moses had to learn. Moses was going to spend the next 40 years dealing with these people. And he had to be completely understanding that he had to trust God no matter what it looked like. Now, in the New Testament, we talk about going through storms and stuff. But in the Old Testament, we can go back and look at actually at the lives of, of people and how they reacted to what happened to them. Right there. It's right there for us to see. And you can put your name on any one of those pages. It's right there for us to see, to see how that how it reacts. A lot of us want to wave that, wave that magic wand and, and act like it's going to work out just fine. And it doesn't. And so what happens to the Christian that is thinking that everything's going to work out just fine, and then it doesn't? See, if you're not grounded in God's word... If you're not going there, being grounded in God's word, understanding God's word, that's when a lot of Christians jump ship. They figure, well, this, this didn't work for me. This is not working for me at all. This is not what I had in mind at all. Well, you're right. It isn't. It's, not what, it's what God has in mind for you, not what you have in mind for you. And, and so this is what we have to learn. We have to learn that, that God, whatever God has in mind for us, we have to trust him with that. And so this is a deep lesson for us to learn in chapter 5. It's a wonderful lesson for us to learn to be, to, no matter what our lives look like, no matter what's taking place in our lives, God's got it. He isn't mistaken you. He hasn't put you aside somewhere. He's got your life, and he's wanting you to learn something through this. So we can look at this, 
history lesson and understand it today. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, as we come before you this morning, Lord, I thank you for this message. I thank you for the lesson, Father. And, and Lord, that uh, I pray that you take these words in the next few minutes and uh, you gather them up in our hearts and we clearly understand what you're wanting us to know. And Father, we just thank you for your love. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> I've been a little bit under the weather, so if I run off the stage, just make nothing of it. <laughs> see what we can do here. The bubble. Now, I, I, it took me a while to come up with the title for this message, but it ended up being, a, uh, I thought, it was a good one because, man, I can't tell you how many times I've had my bubble busted. Whether it be work or, or the kids or, or Vicky or, or whatever it might be, you got it, man, you've got to figure it out, and the bubble gets busted. You say, daggone it, man, I've got to start all over again with whatever I was thinking is completely wrong. So and then, and we start out here, it says, what if failures... The, the failures that we have in life, what if failures are God's stepping stones? I mean, if we look at these failures, you, that what we think is failures is not necessarily what God calls failures. It's just what we have thought is failures. It's, it's our idea of what we think God's plan is for our life. And because it didn't line up with the way you thought, all of a sudden it become failures. But in reality, God is moving you up. You've just got to trust God with the situation you're in. So what if failures are God's stepping stone used to defeat our flawed plan, the plan that we think that God has for our lives, used to, to defeat that flawed plan, which we thought was God's perfect plan. This is kind of tongue twister, isn't it? Which we thought was God's perfect plan so that his perfect plan may be revealed. Does that make sense to any of you guys? Let's read it, read it faster. What if failures are God's stepping stone used to defeat our flawed plan, which we thought was God's perfect plan, so that his perfect plan may be revealed? See, I believe this is what God's trying to show us here in chapter 5 of Exodus. He's trying to show us that, that, that <laughs> when I started this, when this church, when God asked me to start this church, the first year, how many of you here the first year? I know Bill, a lot of you were. The first year. Do you remember me standing up here preaching with my whole face drawn to the right side and slobber coming out down my chin? Sean, you remember that? It's called Bell's Palsy. I never had that before. I'm not even sure what that was. But I know within the first few months, I get Bell's Palsy, and everybody's looking at me. The slobber's coming down. I'm preaching like this. And I'm thinking, what in the world? It was insane. You know, I'm going to the doctor. They say, well, you may have this for a long time. I'm like, you a long time. I'm glad you preach. That's about how it was, wasn't it? It was crazy. And you, you think, well, how can this be God's perfect plan? Well, I had to, you know what? I couldn't stop preaching because I knew that's what God wanted me to do. I couldn't get up here and say, well, everybody, I'll just be so embarrassed. My tongue was all swollen. I kept telling Vicky I have numb tongue. It was just a mess. But I kept preaching, Amen. Now, whether it's me or you, because a lot of things have happened to you people. Some of you people have really have put everything you've got into this church. A lot of things have happened to you. And you, you step back and you've got to understand God is saying, just because you think it's your idea, it doesn't necessarily mean my idea. Now, will you trust me through the Bell's palsy? Will you, will you trust me through those things? You know, and, and then the economy goes crazy. My, my business like goes nuts. All of a sudden, I'm out, I don't have as much work as I used to have, and, and I'm losing money. And it's like, what? You know, everything's just kind of like the bubble just keeps popping. And it isn't like one bubble. It's like a bunch of bubbles. And they just keep popping. But God says, trust me. Trust me. And then all of a sudden, somebody calls me up and says, uh, we've got to refinance that church or we're going to put it up for sale. Do you remember that, Bill? 
And a few other people said, what? How could that happen? I thought we were doing everything the way God wanted to do. We've got to trust God. And at that time, I told the church, watch what only God could do. And he did it. And he did it. And it was a remarkable way he did it. So we, we've got to always trust God. And what Moses had to learn something very, very drastic in his life. No matter what it looks like, trust God. Trust God. Can you all do that? See, most, most churches, most Christians, they really struggle with the trusting God part because of what God's doing in their life isn't what they want God to do in their life, so they just jump ship or whatever. And that's not what God's called us to. Not at all. Now, three principles here. God's authority is with God's people. Amen? God's authority is with God's people. When, you, when, you're, when you're walking through with God and you're doing the things that God has told you to do, no matter if you've got bells palsy, no matter if the church has exploded, no matter what is happening, you have authority from God. And I'll show that to you in a minute. God's people, God's authority is with God's people. Moses had God's authority. And he'll, he'll, in the very first verse we're going to read here in a minute, he, he, he shouts that out. Now, you, you've got to understand something. Whatever you think God's authority is, I promise you, what God says he's going to do, he's going to do. There's no doubt about it. But he doesn't put everything on a time frame. And, and with our flesh, we want everything on a time frame. We want everything boom, 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 boom. And God says, no, 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 no. My way, my way, my way. And so we, we, we struggle with that. And trust God beyond your own blinders. Now, I brought this little hat up here today. I'm going to get going here in a few minutes. But you know what? We, this, is, this is the way most of us look. We put blinders on it, and, and we're just seeing we're, it, what Moses did. Moses, he gets out there, and he's got his plan. He's got his ideas. He thinks God's going to let his people go. And the first time he walks up to Pharaoh, he's got it all figured out. Because he's got blinders on. He's not, he's not seeing the big picture of God. He's not seeing the, the, the things that God needs to do with Moses and with the people of Israel. He's not seeing those things. He's got it figured out. He's going to walk up to Pharaoh, let my people go, and we're out of here. Well, if you ever tried to talk to people about God, you think, boy, that didn't go good at all. Because, see, Satan doesn't like to let go, does he? Satan does not like to let go. And Pharaoh represents Satan here. He's evil, and he represents Satan. Satan does not like to let go. He is going to do battle. Now, we've got to learn how to, how to deal with those things. And three, it says, the third one says, Moses and, you put your name in there, must learn to die to our own ideas so that we may become the servants God called us out to be. See, until you can get away from your own thoughts, your own ideas, your own, your own pattern that you think God's going to work in, it's going to be hard for God to use you the way he really intends to use you. Because trust me, things are going to come up. And you think, well, that's not what I signed up for. That's not what I thought at all. And Moses here in the very first verse. Let's go. This is a, can you take me to Mark first? This is authority here. And he went up on the mountain and called to him. Those he himself, is talking about Jesus, he himself wanted. And they came to him. Then he appointed 12, and, they might, and that they might be with him, that he might send them out to preach and to have power to heal sickness and to cast out demons. God has given us the authority to preach his word. Amen? You can go under that. You can go under that authority. Now, whatever you might think might happen when you do that, it's a total different thing. But God has given us authority with his word. We can preach it. 
It, 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 it can be really powerful, too. I mean, I haven't cast out any demons over anybody, but I've sure seen a few. And even sickness. I mean, we can see this. We can pray over these things. God has given us authority over things. Now, it's just what we think. When we learn to let that stuff go, things really start to work out. Go ahead back, John. Exodus 5, verses 1 through 3. You got me verse 1 through 3 there? Nope. That's good. You got it. You're right. Afterward, Moses and Aaron went and told Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Let my people go. That's, that's the plan. Let my people go. That's what Moses knew. That's what God gave him. That's the authority speaking over Pharaoh, over Satan, to let my people go. Now, this is going to take place. Now, it's going to be a while, and a lot of things are going to happen. A lot of pain is going to come upon, not just the Hebrews, but a lot more pain, a lot more of God's wrath is going to come to Egypt because they're not going to pay attention. They're not going to let God's people go. And God's going to allow these things to happen that we can see his glory and see his power to know that we have that kind of authority in our lives. And Pharaoh said, who is the Lord? Now, I, I, Pharaoh knew who the Lord was of the Hebrews. He's lying here. But, and isn't that what a lot, of people, a lot of people do? It's like, I don't know this God you're speaking about. I don't know this Jesus you're speaking about. Or they might say, I do, but they really don't. They've got their own idea, their own plans. I once I heard uh, Jane Fonda one time say, uh, years and years ago, that she went to church and she accepted the Lord in her life. problem is, it didn't work out for her. Later on, she said, well, that didn't really work out for me. Her idea and her plan was, was basically strict on what she wanted. And that's the problem with a lot of people that come to church. They come in here, it didn't really work out for them. It's not what they thought it was going to be. You mean I got to suffer? You mean I got to sacrifice? Yeah, you do. And the problem with most of us is we don't like the suffering and the sacrifice. We don't like our ideas being messed up. I know I'm hit home with some of you because it hit home with me when I got this. I really don't like my ideas and my plan. I had a plan for this church. I had a specific plan, a specific way I wanted it to go, and I had to learn something. It wasn't my plan. It was God's plan. And some of us need to learn that with our families. If we'll trust God with our families, maybe our families will turn out a little better. I know parents out there that, that, that love their kids so much. I got no problem with parents loving kids, but I'm going I'm to I'm I'm spit this out one time in a text this week. I'm just going to lay it out here. When you pull your kids out of church over and over and over and over again, I'm not talking one or two times. That's not what I'm talking about at all. I'm not talking about a few times or this one. I'm talking about it over and over again to pull your kids out of church and take them somewhere to play sports because they're doing it on Sunday mornings now. I'm telling you, you're part of the problem. You're just part of the problem. You're not trusting God with your kids. Now, I'm not talking about occasional things. I understand all that stuff. I'm not talking about people that have to work and do certain things. I'm talking about people that just do it. That, that, that is so much more important than anything else to them. You're, telling, you're teaching your children, and I'm telling you, I don't care. You're teaching them that it's okay to not put God first in your life. That some silly football game or some silly wrestling match is more important than putting God first. It's ridiculous. You know why they have all this stuff on Sunday mornings? Because Christians don't stand up. They never had that when I was a kid. It was never even thought of. Man, this, the stuff, restaurants or whatever, and the, and the gas stations and the, and the airways and the airs, and people are like, who is that? What is that? What's well, Walmart and Target? 
Man, they shut down at 5 o'clock. They wasn't open until noon. They shut down at 5 o'clock. He said, well, boy, I'm glad things are better these days. I can go to Walmart anytime I want. Well, open your eyes. I don't think the world's better off. Parents really, they don't like it when I tell them that. Oh, they don't like it. And Pharaoh said, who is the Lord? Who? You just imagine the, the arrogance, because see, Pharaoh is, is a god to himself. He, Egypt thinks he's a god, the same god. He just, he just imagine these two raggy guys, we're, we're buddy and that beard of buddies. Blackwell keeps his trimmed up a little bit, but you know, there he is, buddy. They come up to Pharaoh, probably smell kind of bad. Now, buddy, don't smell. <laughs> Not on Sunday morning. They come up to Pharaoh. They kind of look a little bad. They smell a little bad. And Pharaoh's in his arrogance. Why are you even standing before me? Because God, Pharaoh had no choice because of God. Amen? He had no choice. God said, I'm gonna, they're going to stand before you. You just imagine the smirk on his face. And Pharaoh said, who is the Lord that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? You just, you just see that? And, th and, that, and that's evil. And that's every time we go to somebody and we, we start telling them about Jesus, and you just see their demeanor starting to change. The, the, mention you mention, the, the moment you mention that name Jesus, their whole demeanor, you can just watch them. The whole demeanor starts to step back, and everything starts to change. whatever lifestyle they're living in, they're going to be confronted with it right then and there, just by that name. They know that I should obey his voice and let Israel go. I do not know the Lord, nor will I let Israel go. Now, I'm going to tell you, just for the, just a little bit of Paul stuff here, people that don't know the Lord, that's them. I mean, the, the, today, that's, that's what we live in today. It's still being said over and over again, I don't know the Lord. So they're not going to let sin go in their life. Why would they? So they said, the God of the Hebrews has met with us. And it's Aaron and, and, and Moses telling that the God of the Hebrews has met with us. And he's given us this authority. Please let us go three days journey into the desert and sacrifice to the Lord our God. At least he fall upon us with pestilence with the sword. Well, I can tell you, old Pharaoh wants none of this. In 2 Corinthians 1.19, it says, Yes, we had the sentence of death in ourselves. This is Paul talking. And this is what Moses had to learn. This is what Aaron and all of they had to learn this. That Paul was so engulfed with God, always so engulfed with Jesus Christ, that he knew he was going to die one day. He, he knew he had to die to himself continually. He knew he had let all his faults, all his ideas, and, and I don't know anybody that's been persecuted more than Paul. And he goes to these people and he says this, Yes, we have we had the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust ourselves but in God who what? Raises the dead. Because he knows that God will raise him up out of the dead. I'm not going to trust in myself. And this, this is what Moses has to learn. This is what we not have to learn. That we cannot trust in our own selves. You know, well, I trust myself. Trust God. How, how hard is that to, to, really think, to really think about it, step aside and say, I can't even trust my own thoughts. But I can open up God's word and learn from God's word that I need to trust God even though I can't 
understand it at all. I've got to trust him with it because he's my Lord and I know who he is. And he has the best. He has a better interest for my life than I do. Amen? Because he'll put me through these. He'll put me through Bell's palsy. He'll put me through all kinds of things. That I will learn to trust him more and learn to die to myself even more. Every time I go through these things. And I can say, amen, what a wonderful God I serve. Because I am not the person I was when I started this church, right? I'm not. I'm just not. I'm completely changing continually. And the more I trust God with my ideas and my thought patterns, the more I see God working in my life. I can see things more clearly. Wisdom starts to pour in on you because you're, you're, you're paying attention to what God's doing in your life. Everybody, yeah, everybody got that? Ten, it says, who delivered us from a, so great a death and does deliver us? It's not that he, he did it, he's going to continue to deliver us. In whom we trust that we will still deliver us. Jesus Christ will deliver you, amen, through everything. I, I, don't, know, I don't know how to even tell, even, even harder I can tell you. No matter what your situation is, no matter what it is, there's a plan in it. You say, well, I got a there's a plan. How can a plan be in, in, in Kingston and, and his cancer and all that a few years ago? How can that plan be? You're a better Christian. The church went through a lot of things with you. Aren't Chris and what he went through in the fire and his, fa and his family with it. Mary's not here because she's working. She'll be here back in here this week. But you know what? Mike, I love you, Mike. You know, I didn't even know you before then. And I don't know where you was heading, but I know where you're heading now. Amen. You said, well, that's a rough way to learn it. I know it is. I know it is. But God loves us through it, and I'll trust him through it. And I know I got Mike and married to spend eternity with now. Yes, we had the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raised the dead who delivered us from so great a death and does deliver us, in whom we trust that we will still deliver. He will still deliver us. Thin ice. Now, you ever, you, it seems like every year we'll, we'll hear somebody or I'll, I'll see an animal that goes out on a lake and boom, right through, right? I'm going to tell you what. If, you're, if your faith, if your trust in God is thin, you're going to blend. Amen? Because you're, you're, going to, you're going to get out there and somebody's going to go haywire in your Christian walk. And you're not going to agree with God on it. That's the first problem we have with, I don't really agree with you, God. Well, go check out how Job worked out with that one. God has got your best interest at his heart. He loves you more than you love yourself. It's not that I don't agree with God. It's I don't understand it, God, but I'm going to be faithful and I'm going to trust you through it. Moses, these people, we're getting, he, comes to, he comes here to Pharaoh. And Pharaoh says, you're idle. And we're going to talk about the men. And he just, he just goes off on him. Man. I mean, Pharaoh just goes crazy on him. And he says, okay, you guys are so lazy. You're going to have to go get your own straw and still make the same amount of bricks that you make. And he repeats this several times. You're going to get your own straw. You're going to get the same amount. You still make the same amount of bricks, which causes a lot more labor, a lot more pain on Israel. 
And that's why they're thinking, what in the world? How can this be helpful? How can this be helpful? And they'll go complain in front of Pharaoh, which they should have never complained in front of Pharaoh. They should have went to their knees. And they complained to Pharaoh. Of course, Pharaoh's not going to help them. Go to God in these situations. And God will help you look through it. Thin ice is if your trust is thin, your walk will blend. See, what, what they had to realize and what Moses had to realize is they were walking on thin ice. They're, they're, they're trusting God. They thought they had it. They thought they had the plan all figured out. But God says, you're not even close yet. It's going to take a long time. And you're going to have to trust me through every aspect of it. Even when the pain comes, you're going to have to trust me through it. Boy, it's a tough God we serve, isn't it? No, it's a loving God. He's wanting us to learn more about who he is in our life. And this is the way he does it. It's the way we grab a hold of it and we don't forget. I'll never forget my Bell's palsy, amen? I mean, I'm not going to forget that. I'm not going to forget Vicky almost getting killed on a horse a few years later after that. Those things you never forget, but you trust God through it. When Satan gets a glimpse that God intends to set you free, listen to this, when Satan gets a glimpse or when Pharaoh gets a glimpse that God's going to set you free, he will turn up the heat to make you believe that following God is not really the best thing for you. What did Pharaoh really want? He wanted them to deny God, get away from this Lord, whatever you think he is, because I'm your God. And you're going to learn that I'm your God, and i got control of your life, because that's what evil wants to do. And so it turns up the heat on you that you'll walk away from the church, that you'll walk away from God. God says, if you hang in there, you just hang in there in that race. You just hang in there, and you trust me through this. You'll put aside your own thoughts and your own ideas. It'll take a little time, but you'll start to change, and I'll start to, to mold you and break you and remold you again. And you're going to become the children and the men and the women and the husbands and the fathers and the uncles and the aunts and the grandpas of God. In Exodus 17, 18, he says, but he said, you are idle. This is his reply. You are idle. You are idle, idle. You just see Pharaoh's, he's pretty, he pretty hot, isn't he? idle he's talking about all the millions of Hebrew you're idle I want to I want to double your load I want to double everything because that's what Satan does he wants you to take your mind off of the Lord I mean these people just had a, a remarkable time with Moses and Aaron that God after 400 years God's going to set them free they're going to walk out of there and let me tell you something else they should have never been slaves because they weren't captured they were living there they were taken over but he said, you are idle, idle, therefore you say, let us go and sacrifice to the Lord. And again, there's this anger in Pharaoh. Therefore, go now and work, for no straw shall be given you. I'm going to tell you something. Satan loves for you to be too busy for God. I mean, today we got, I'll tell you what, we had more time back before we had computers than we do when we got computers. I know, everybody, I don't know, computers do everything for us. Yeah, right. I was sitting over getting my hair cut the other day, and I do, I'm guilty of this too sometimes. And I'm sitting in there, and these guys, you know, it used to be when guys in the barbershop, you'd kind of talk to each other, see how the weather's going, see how this is going, you'd talk to each other. You know what happens in them shops these days? Everybody's got their nose stuck in the phone because they're too busy 
to talk to anybody anymore. Everybody got their nose. I looked around, there's probably seven or eight men, and I just looked in there, and I said, man, look at this. And once upon a time, you'd be talking to your brothers and sisters. And I ain't telling you your phone's a tool of Satan. I'm not going there. I love my phone too much. <laughs> what I'm saying is, Satan will keep us so busy, so active within ourselves, that we forget to communicate to other people. The millenniums today, you know why they're the way they are? They don't communicate, man. They do this number, and they are fast at it. I mean, they are so fast. I don't know how they do that. My thumbs are kind of big, but man, they are fast. They communicate through this. They don't communicate with wisdom and, and voice and love. And it's all through this with smiley faces. And what's them thing called? Amigos? What are they called? Not amigos. What? Huh? Emojis. Yeah. Amigos. <laughs> emojis, man. I send out them emojis. Somebody's dancing and stuff. That's how you communicate today. It's crazy. We've lost it. <laughs> you just wonder. God's got to be up here laughing about them emojis. That ain't we don't communicate together anymore. And, and, and we just want to pay attention to whatever it is we're paying attention to. I'm telling you, we need to, to communicate with people more. But he said you are idle, idle, because Satan, he hates it when Christians are idle. He wants to keep you busy. He wants to keep your family busy, so busy that you don't pay attention to God. And that's what his attempt here. It's more than just causing them more labor. He wants to take their mind off of their Lord. He wants to separate their Lord from them. It's more than being idle. It's a separation. You'll be so busy. You'll be so tired when you do have a few minutes of sleep. You won't even have time to think about that God. But here the day before, they're out talking to Moses and Aaron. Everything's going to be hunky or Everything's going to be great. Let's pack up. God's going to send us out of here. Well, not so much. What would life be like if God never taught us any lessons? I mean, really, if, if everything we did was according to what we wanted God to do, huh, we would be completely chaotic. And then we'd blame God for that. Am I off base or am I okay? I got a headache about to blow up here, so I may have to calm down a little bit. I'll tell you what, I, I went out and bought this. I, I promised Ellie already. So you youngins that want this, you can't have it. I done promised Ellie she could have it. Pop my bubble for him, you got started. You know, there we go. You know what happens? They pop pretty quick, don't they? <laughs> you ever notice that? Boom, 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 boom. I mean, they're gone. Get out of get out of get out. Get out. Let it, they don't last no time. They just don't. I'll tell you what, you get, you get a hold of God's ideas, you get a hold of God's plan, Satan can't pop that bubble. Amen? I mean, he's going to do everything he can. He's going he's to try to convince you that he did that, but he can't do it. He can't. You, you just have to understand, like Moses had to understand, he has to walk away, and, and all these people, can you imagine him walking away, and all these people saying, what'd you just do? 
I thought God was on our side. Well, he is. But you can't understand that until you trust God through those things. How many of you need to trust God a little more? Come on, come on. How many of you need to trust God a little more? So, okay, you say, I need to trust God a little more. So if God puts you through something, will you let him do it? And will you trust him through it? Amen? Will you let him do it? In Exodus 5, 21, it says, And they said to them, Let the Lord look on you and judge. And this is the people coming at, coming at Moses. And, and let the Lord judge. In other words, they are so sure that Moses is, sure, is so off, but he wasn't off a few days before when they were all having a big party. Moses was right on then, but now because it didn't work out the way they wanted it to work out, Moses, you're going to be judged by God. You're a terrible man. I can't believe we even listened to you. How fast people change when God challenges them a little bit. See, this whole chapter, I wish I could go through the whole chapter, verse by verse, word by word, and break it down for you and show you how much God wants you to trust him through all these things. I mean, if you think that you've got to do so much and be so busy for God and be so busy outside of the church, be so busy that you don't have any time for God. It's your own mind. It's your own ideas. You trust God. You've got a long life ahead of you. Trust God with every aspect of it. You'll become the powerful Christian for God. Amen? I mean, this is the one major thing that we have got to get through in our lives. You say, I got a lot of faith. Well, faith is only going to be based upon your trust. We've got to learn how to trust God. I'm telling you, I know it's difficult. I know it's difficult. But we've got to learn to trust. Remember I said, I've got to trust God. Say it again. I've got to trust God. You want to go out and go and be and, and reach people? I'm telling you, you're going to have to trust God. You're going to hear the, the most strange things you've ever heard in your life. Because most people have their own idea about God. They don't have a clue about the Bible, especially today. The millenniums, oh man, oh man, the millenniums. How many millenniums we got out there? Don't throw no tomatoes up here at me. I feel bad. It's not your fault so much. It's, it's, a lot of it's our fault. No excuses, though. You don't trust God, you won't respect God. You won't respect God's authority, God's people, God's church. You won't do any of that. You won't honor God. You'll bring reproach upon God. There's all kinds of things that happen if you don't trust God. When these things happen and when, when these things start to pile up, and let me tell you, Satan, he just loves to pile on. You've got to trust God through it. One of the worst days, I'm going to go back to the story about the church here. One of the worst days I can think I, I had since the, I don't remember, what, anybody, John, Bill or John, you guys remember what year it was when they called, called and said, uh, we've got to have the final payment on that church? I don't remember what year that was. Mike, do you remember? Hmm. Maybe 2012. I can tell you, you know why? I can tell you where I was at. I can tell you almost the exact time of day. I can tell you what I was doing. It was one of those days. Amen? Now, everybody remembers 9-11, all kinds of stuff like that. You remember these things like that? But see, that was one of those things in my life. I can tell you what I was doing. I was working at a Christian school, a Greek Christian school up, in, up on 38th Street. 
I'm going to the hardware room to get some hardware, and my phone rings. I pick it up, and there's a guy named somebody, I think his name was Steve Sewell, somebody from Arkansas, saying, we've got to have all the money for that building. You know what? My heart went thump. We need about $300,000, and we're going to need it here pretty quick, too, because we're going to do something else with that money. So I get off that phone. I get to my knees. I said, Lord, what in the world is going on? He said, trust me. Trust me, you're going to see something only I can do. Only God can do. Amen? And I went and told some men in the church, don't you dare try to get this money in, in, on, from yourself. God told me not to do it. I could have mortgaged my house. He said, don't do it. He said, don't do it. Don't tell it. Don't you touch it. This is not your plan. This is my plan. How many of you here when you remember that? I'm going to tell you, that was a changing part. You, we really had to trust God. I remember telling the church, I said, well, on Sunday morning, we were sitting over there. I said, man, I really don't want to see a for sale sign out in the front yard of this church. That's not going to look good. Well, God never was going to put a for sale sign in the front yard. But he said, trust him. Greg Blunt was here at the time. He had been a retired uh, CEO for some bank, and him and I think, I, don't know, if, I know Bill got with some bankers, and, other than I, and nothing was working. Nothing was going to work. And the strangest thing, Somebody calls me from Florida that knows a man in California through a man in Las Vegas, Nevada, and they're going to call me about the money for the church. Now, I'll tell you, do you all just think that's kind of strange? Mike, that's strange, ain't it, buddy? That's just strange. But that's God, amen? That's God. Now, he let this go on for several months. And we get together with, <laughs> you got to have a certain amount of money and this kind of put back... And it's like, this, how's this ever going to happen? And God says, I, I, you don't have to know. You just follow me. You watch me, and you trust me. And so as it progressed, I call, I get a phone call. I can tell you exactly where I was at. I can tell you exactly what was happening because this, per this person in Florida said, you're going to get a phone call from a guy in Las Vegas that handles this money for a rich man out in California that he wants to give some money to the churches. He just sold some business, and he wants to pa pass that money out. I said, okay, that sounds good to me. I don't know how long that's going to work, but that sounds good to me because the banks are not going to give it to us without going through all kinds of things. So I'm setting up in Indianapolis and right around Castle Square in a little hospital they were building. I was up on the third floor. It's pouring down rain like cats and dogs. It's 11.45. The phone's going to ring at noon. I head to my truck. It's cold. I think it's November. It's cold. I fire that thing up. I get the heat going. I'm sitting there, and I'm praying. Because I don't know who this person is going to call me. I have not the clue. But I know one thing God knows. Amen. Y'all think this is boring? Y'all all right? Good stuff, isn't it? I'm just trying to show you how to trust God. That phone rings. The guy starts saying, well, tell me something about, about you in the church. Well, I'll tell him all about us. About an hour later, I finally shut up. I mean, all I know is what I know. Amen. That's all I know is what I know, what God has done to the church, for the church up to then. He calls back a day or two later. They don't have the, they have, nobody's ever had my social security number. Nobody's had Mike's social security number. Nobody's had Bill's, nobody's had no, no credit checks, no nothing. They call back a few later. They said, we're giving you the money. And the interest and everything lined up with it. Isn't that amazing? So somebody from Florida to somebody in Las Vegas to somebody in California sends money back to Indiana for a small little church that he could care less about this building if he didn't want this building. 
He's wanting to help God's people. Now, God set that up, amen? He set up every part of it. He knew the day he asked me to open this church, we were going to go through that. He knew it. He said, you just got to trust me. You just got to trust me. Now, my idea wasn't quite like God's idea. <laughs> but boy, oh boy, when I start to put my ideas aside and watch God, You talk about rest and peace. Christians talk about having rest and peace. Rest and peace comes when you trust God. Amen? People can say they have rest and peace. The next thing in their life is completely chaotic. You haven't learned to trust God. You trust God and your rest and peace will come. You trust God through the storms the New Testament will talk about. You really trust God. I mean, you really put your faith and trust in God. You're going to see miracles in your life. And I'm not preaching some hocus-pocus stuff. I'm preaching the fact you're going to see things you never thought possible come in your life. Because God has taken over your life. Amen? And they said to him, let the Lord look on you and judge because you have made us. Somebody give me that word, abhorrent. Is that what that word means? Somebody say it again. What does that mean, folks? Like a stench? I mean, it's like you've made us look really bad in front of God. <laughs> they had not a clue of what God wanted to do with them. And God is trying to show them. And they're going to remember this day. Even when they're, they're going to be set free in time, they're going to remember this was the very beginning of God's process. He has the plan. This is the process. God has a plan for your life, and everybody, we all love that Jeremiah 29, 11, don't we? Ooh. God knows the thoughts he has for me. We all know we love that stuff. Do you trust it? Do you trust it? Galatians 2, 20, it reads, and we're about to close here. Brooke, you can come up anytime. I have been crucified. Listen to me here. This is Paul speaking. I have been crucified with Christ. Now what, what does that mean? That's right. I no longer live for myself. Myself has been crucified. I have, I have allowed God to, de to just take that, that evil nature of mine, to destroy it. I have been crucified with Christ. I am learning to trust Christ with every part of my life. Now, a lot of people need changes in their life. Amen? If you need some kind of changes, raise your hand. I need some kind of change in my life. I mean, we do. Don't you think God knows it? Don't you think God understands it? Don't you think God loves you enough to, to allow you to go through these things to change your life? If you'll trust him and, and not demand all the answers, but trust him. He'll fulfill it. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. This is what Moses, this is what the Hebrews, this is what they had to learn. This is what we need to learn. It is no longer I who live. So if it's no longer me living, who is living? Who, what am I? It's me. It's me. It's me. It's Christ in me. Amen. I told Mr. Blackwell the other day, I said, when I get up here to preach, and John knows this, and Vicki knows this very well, when I get up here to preach, Paul is gone. Amen. Brooke, he ran out the door somewhere. Jesus walked in. The Holy Spirit took over. Amen. Because I don't have the ability. 
don't have the ability. But Christ in me does. He's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Amen? Challenge for the week. Trust is not optional. Vicki didn't quite understand this when I first told her. It's not optional. If, if you want to walk with God, if you want to go and be, if you want to be the, the person that Christ is, and I, and I take it you do, you're here, then trust is not an optional thing with God. He'll continue to put you through things that you will trust him through them. And you're either going to go through them and start to separate yourself from them to allow God's beautiful process for that plan he has for you to become his beautiful purpose for you. Trust is not optional. Trust God this week in that one area. Every one of us has got a strong area, a weak area, whatever you want to call it. In that one area you have saved for yourself. That one spot in your life that you think you're going to hold that back and hold on to that one for a while. It can be your strongest area in your life. You need to let it go and trust God with it. Amen? One of the issues, and I'm going to close here in a minute, one of the issues we have is emotions and feelings. And every time... The, 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 the things that are going on in our life don't line up with that emotions and feelings. I call this the, the feeler channel. We just get up because we're so lazy and spoiled to start changing the channel, trying to get a better channel for God. Well, that don't feel right. I'll get my feeler channel, and we'll just keep changing the channel. You'll find somebody out there that will agree with what your hocus-pocus is. There's plenty of false preachers out there. Big one down here in Texas, Houston. Let's stand. Love God. Trust God with your life. Trust God with your family.